Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki, and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the robotics and AI community in Australia. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world, and I would very much like to introduce you to my guest today, Ashley Jensen. Ashley is Managing Director and CEO at Smarter Industrial. He's a mechanical engineer by trade with a passion for de developing and commercializing specific technologies in support of more efficiency and intelligence in agriculture and logistics operations, particularly where users, machines, technology, and AI converge. He has been actively involved in supporting research to facilitate the creation of innovative technologies and specifically focused on getting innovations out of the lab and into the marketplace. Ashley, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Nikki, and uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Very, very happy to talk to you and see what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how Smarter Industrial happened. Yeah, so it goes back a while now. I, um, Smarter Industrial has been going for about seven or eight years now. Uh, my background is in agriculture, uh, mining, uh, equipment management and uh, retail. Um, now, I was always interested in the, the intersection of where people, equipment and technology meet um, and always end up, you know, in, a, in roles where there was from a you know, mechanical side, there was people that are really specialised on mechanical, but then there was the IT departments and the, and the technology on, on the equipment. And, and as it grew, that, that space in the middle became, became larger. So... Naturally, I end up sort of in that in that space where it was between, you know, the technology, the IT people, and and the you know, the mechanical where things were actually happening, um, and it, it I guess it just evolved from there. Um, I've had another company now for about ten years in the software space, um, so it, it actually started uh, with a with a simple request from a it was actually from a milk process, a local milk process here in Queensland who were looking to monitor the temperatures on farm of, of the milk that's, that's on, actually on farm. And uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's just grown from, from there that we've now, we're now a fully verti vertically integrated concept to manufacture to support company uh, across ag, logistics and the energy space. Um, and yeah, I guess it's yeah, and 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 continuing continuing to grow. So I guess that's our that's our starting point. We'll go into a little bit more detail uh, a little bit later on exactly what we do in each one of those industries. But yeah, that's the that was the starting point. So you've got an in, already an interesting starting point that you've got software as a service and hardware as a service, which is a very unique proposition because normally companies don't focus. It's either software, it's hardware. So. I think you're a little bit out of the ahead of any competition that you possibly can, because as you said, you've got a software company as well. Yeah, that's right, and it's one of the, it was it it actually organically grew from that. We actually started um, developing the one of the solutions uh, with a, an external third party. It was actually out of New Zealand, and we were developing the software, um, and they they were unable to finish off the hardware uh, the hardware side of it, so. Um, then we we decided made a made a decision at that point in time that we needed to take control of everything that we were doing so that we could um, and we're in fairly unique industries um, so the um, the solutions that we provide are 
not able to be just off the shelf um, solutions. So that was kind of yeah, it, it organically grew from from that um, those issues that we had relying on other other companies to you know develop it and to be able to develop it how we needed it for for the software to to be able to do its uh, do its job. Yeah, to work. So you mentioned that you've been going for about seven years now. What expertise do you have within your team? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting. It's um, we've got a, a really really unique team, um, and um, obviously we've end up with a um, a team that that has have all of those those expertise. So um, you know they come from a range of backgrounds, from you know farming, logistics to mining, um, aeronautical, yeah, astronomy um, to automotive manufacturing. So. It kind of gives us, um, you know, a really good background for, you know, those people that are uh, in our in our business that are then dealing with with the end customer, um, and a diverse range of um, heritage. You know, we've got Australian, American, Nepalese, Vietnamese, Indian. So it it actually ends up, um, you know, bringing bringing some really unique um, aspects to it. But um, you know, have different points of view. Um, so, from a you know, from a, a um, you know, a, a, an engineering point of view. So we've got you know, biomedical science, um, you know, advanced computer programming, uh, mechanical, uh, electronic engineering, software engineering, um, and you know, more recently the you know the me- mechatronics engineering, um, which is you know obviously a, a combination of of the the mechanical electronic and software um, and, and, so, uh, and have you found it easy to find people to uh, work like i know we're in a tech shortage it's been uh, you know it's, it's a not it's a well-known fact in australia where do you find your staff yeah really good really good point um the one of the things that a lot of our a lot of our um you know a lot of our people are actually their contacts or contacts of contacts so it's um, you know, it's we've gradually built the team, um, and it's you know I, I can see it as a you know as a CEO now I can just I can just see the business just gradually growing from those from those networks and those contacts of of people that already work here um, and and their contacts. We've actually you know there's only probably been a couple of our um, couple of people that that have actually come through um, you know advertising for for people. Um, so it's yeah, it and it's definitely an issue. Um, you know, the labour shortage is is definitely an issue. Um, so that's you know one of the things that we work really hard is to you know create an environment um, that it's an environment where you know people want to be and they want to be for for a long time. So that's one thing we pride ourselves in. Yeah, definitely keep your people there and invest in them. I think um, you know technology is great, but it's uh, as Peter Hook from Bosch said, like it's people, 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 and just invest in them. And, um, you know, I was chatting to a lady yesterday and, again, this networking, it, it's so important, you know, what, wherever you need to do it because it's, it's normally your weak connections that facilitate these sort of introductions that you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's uh, one of the things that I find, um, yeah, I guess really, uh, really exciting about the, the Robotics Group Australia is that um, it, it is, you know, it is the, the start of that network and, and there's, um, you know, a lot of like-minded people um, in that and it's, you know, it's growing. So it's, um, yeah, definitely. it's, 
and they're doing an absolutely fantastic job at it as well. So in terms of your solutions, you've got a you've got three available at the moment. It's Smarter Farm, Smarter Water, and Smarter Trance. Um, let's talk about Smarter Farm, which is designed specifically for the agricultural industry to provide remote monitoring and control of agribusiness operations. Yeah, so that, this was uh, one of the first um, uh, solutions that we we started developing. Um, and it is uh, primarily for uh, for dairy for the dairy industry. So um, one of the challenges the dairy industry has is that um, the is uh, previous to to our solution there was there was no solutions that were able to be easily retrofitted um, to to dairy farms to to then monitor what's happening with the particularly the temperature of of the milk from the time it's been uh, milked to the time that the uh, logistics operator would pick it up. Um, that causes a number of a number of issues. Obviously, um, you know it's a food product, um, so not having traceability on that um, um, for a for potentially a couple of days is is a real issue. Um, so we've developed a solution there, and and one of the things that we found very early on is that um, that we we had to have um, the mechanical design of you know sensors and um, components were was as important as a as a software. Um, because uh, in in most cases here, it's that you know this equipment has got to be retrofitted and it needs to be affordable. Um, so you know any off-the-shelf items of sensors and those sort of things were were just not able to be fitted to every single farm, for instance, every single um, storage facility on a farm, um, and and they they really aren't affordable. So that was our focus was to was to make sure that. Um, these solutions could be fitted to every single farm in the country uh, and easily done. So, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's grown, it's morphed from there to, to being something simple, you know, a simple a sensing unit um, to then being a, um, you know, a multi, a multi-layered um, sensing platform um, to now where, you know, we're, we're able to tell, you know, when, when events happen, you know, relating to the dairy, relating to the milk, um, the we've even um, we've even built our own weather stations then for each dairy because one of the things we found was that throughout the supply chain, one of the the issues with inefficiency in the supply chain was not knowing what was actually there for a logistics operator to to collect. Um, so we were able to then um, build in AI models to to then do. Um, milk production predictions then out for a couple of days based on the weather patterns that have actually happened at that location in the last couple of days. So it, it, it's then merged into um, this, this platform that then provides information then through to the farmer, um, through the logistics operator and through the processor. Uh, some of the discussions we're having now and now right through to the end user. Um, so having, having you know, a barcode on on a product, being able to then trace that all the way back through um, to to now, you know, advanced um, automated um, alert systems and um, milk quality assessment tools that then replace manual systems previously. That um, and and ultimately that then um, you know provides um, you know quality product all the way through, but it it also um, achieves. Um, you know, reduction in greenhouse gases from uh, reduction in um, 
inefficiencies in logistics um, to you know, automating automating those you know those those pickups and and uh, optimizing you know, where they where they what the operators need to do. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I'd love to go into uh, Coles or wherever I do my shopping and have a milk leader of milk saying, um, Daisy the cow has supplied this and there's a barcode and you can scan it and you can go. She was milked on this day. This is where the milk went. I don't know if they'd like, you know, from a, just the liability, if they're going to give me that much information. But the, the complete tracking of it, it's, it's actually essential. And I would say just from the point of view, um, you know, once the milk's left your and it goes sour for some reason, who's liable for this milk? You know, is it the farmer or is it the transport or um, is it actually the end, the end where if it was gone and they've done something to it? So I'm assuming all of this is tracked there. Yeah, that's right. And we've, we've developed now what we call the ice block platform, which is a, which is a blockchain enabled uh, platform that, that then provides um, all of that information from the on-farm as well as um, our, our smarter trans solution, which is the logistics solution. Um, and we're in discussions now with a number of processes around uh, extending that then through their processing plant to then the delivery to um, to the end customer. So again, it's you know we're 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 in this we're in this point where you know the technology is available um, and customers are starting to um, you know, really drive uh, those requests for that that traceability. You know, making sure that it's coming from farms that are you know. That are looking after their animals properly. Um, that they're, you know, looking after their environment. Um, that they're, you know, that they're looking after their, you know, uh, or they're doing the right thing from a, an energy energy supply point of view, and, and you know, reducing their greenhouse gases as much as possible. Um, so it's, you know, it's being driven by that. You know, the agriculture that, so the dairy industry is a lot of people don't realise this, but it's it's the fourth largest agricultural business in Australia. Um, so it's, you know, and I think it's uh, you know, from an export point of view, it's it's between three to four billion dollars of, of export revenue for Australia. So, um, you know, it's a it is a fairly, you know, it's a fairly big business that is kind of hidden away um, that people just pick up the milk off the shelf and don't realise just what what happens you know, for them to be able to get that, you know, that product and that, that nutrition um, of, of all of the steps that, that happen in the in the process to get that. I think you mentioned two very important things. A is um, consumers are being far more aware of where they, they, the traceability. Are these chickens actually free range? And as you mentioned, are these, um, these cows being treated humanely? And, you know, like the whole, what's the care factor around them? But who, who is financially, um, is there support for the farmers if they want to onboard this process? Because I, how expensive is it for them to do this? Yeah, it's it's that's an interesting question. It's um, because the one of the challenges we've had with adoption in Australia is that um, everyone in the supply chain gets a benefit from it. Um, so it's it's about how you know who pays for it and and then you know what what benefit they get from it. So um, our our models commercially are we have a number of different models um, and. We've uh, largely done this as hardware and software as a service. Um, and what, one of the reasons for doing that is that it then is just a monthly, a monthly cost that can be split across that supply chain um, so that it gives the whole industry flexibility to be able to move. Say, for instance, a farmer supplies, a processor, 
today. Next year, they might sign a contract with a different processor. So um, that way, then it's not who's who's actually owns that equipment. Um, so um, we've we've got multiple models there, and that's one of the things that we've found is that those models have to be really flexible um, because it depends on on the industry and how the industry actually works. Um, because there's there's benefit for um, you know, everyone in the supply chain. So it's about you know simple things like um, you know the cost of this to a farmer if it was split uh, um, evenly across the supply chain, what the farmer would pay. Um, we've negotiated with an insurance company that their premiums can be reduced by that same amount because of of the uh, the visibility and the uh, the preemptive alerts they've got that uh, save them save them having spoilt milk. Then um, if they have issues with refrigeration on their on their vats or early alerts on on all of those things. So um, what we find with these solutions is that um, there is the hard costs and all of those things need to, to, to add up so that people will make that decision. Um, and then there's all of the soft, there's a, all of the soft savings you know, around um, energy efficiencies, greenhouse gas emissions, um, traceability, then all of those things then you know, end up being byproducts of it. Uh, but our focus is, is on um, is making sure that there's an economic, there's a hard economic benefit for, for everyone um, when, when we do it, yeah. So um, touching back on your expertise in your team, there's, there's deep expertise that you're doing as far as insurance companies and negotiating with them. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So um, that's kind of the um, one of the things that we've found is, is absolutely critical in this is, is having domain expertise um, and that the ability to deep, deep dive into that, you know, that industry and really understand um, what it is that the industry actually needs, what it is that those end users need, what is it that um, the user of the equipment or whatever it is, what is it that's going to make uh, their job easier, uh, what is it that around automation and robotics of what it is that that solution is going to need to do um, because otherwise, um, you know, there can be just, you know, one simple little thing that can then, um, stop the solution from getting getting adoption um, if if you don't realise what those what those drivers for for everyone in the in the supply chain or the or the use chain of, of the of the um, of the solution is. You know what I think is absolutely fascinating. I think as a, if I was a farmer, whatever initial cost there would be, I would think just the peace of mind, know exactly where my milk is, where it's going, what temperature, where did someone stop? Because you can. You can track all of this. I think it's it's actually phenomenal. Yeah, it is, and it's we've as I said before, we've sort of taken the approach of you know the um, <clears throat> yeah the the next stage of what we're adding to this now is is power management, uh, power monitoring. So being able to come back to a point where it's you know monitoring how much power is used for every liter of milk to KPI that against everyone to say well. You know, if this farm has this equipment, solar farm installed and has, you know, this cooling equipment, then this is what it's costing them to produce one litre of milk. So that, that there can be then visibility across across the industry to say what's best practice, how, you know, how can you reduce your, your carbon emissions uh, by simple things that are already in place, but you just need to do it um, to, you know, preemptive alerts of, you know, that, the milk has started to cool out of its normal normal range 
get an alert so you've got three or four hours to fix an issue before yeah. it become, becomes out of spec. So it's all of that, you know, what is that end user going to get from it and, yeah. and building it around that. Yeah, the data mining. So um, actually this little barcode that you're going to design is going to also say, uh, because I'm on the side of the farmers and this is what they get per litre. And then you actually tell us who gets all the money along the line so that we can go, the farmers are not paid enough for their milk. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that can be part of it. Um, is is where the value um, or where the costs are in the in the supply chain? Absolutely, because um, I think that's one of the things that is really, from a consumer's point of view, now is is starting to become. You know, you look at the increasing grocery prices and those sort of things. Now, um, one of the things that consumers are really concerned about now is is what you know where where is all of that going? You know, um, oh. I think generally, you know, I think generally the consumers don't mind if the farmer is getting paid that because of the supply and demand but if there's if there's if there's others in the supply chain that are just taking advantage of that of that then not you know that's that's where consumers are are not are not generally happy so yeah look I think that's um, and we're working with a number of companies that are sort of management type companies in the supply chain and that's part of what their their focus is is to try and bring, bring that visibility you know, from a quality, but also from a from a cost point of view. The uh, other critic, other critical thing in this is that you know we are a net exporter of of our product. Um, so, you know, making sure that our quality, the quality of of the product that goes out of Australia, um, every single liter of product that goes out is is the highest quality, because one one bad shipment can then damage, you know, the the the, the entire industry. Yeah. I, um, and this is completely off track, but a little bit on topic is um, I saw in Amsterdam now they're bypassing the farmers and they've actually got this whole, um, not they're bypassing the farmers, they're bypassing um, big supermarket chains and they're actually encouraging people now to go to the farms and just buy their vegetables directly. So I don't know if we'll ever get to a stage like that in Australia. I, I suspect not just because geographically we're so huge and, you know, where you're going to find the farm that's been trucking in your asparagus that you need with your food. But um, uh, uh, consumers are definitely getting more away. Yeah, that's right. I think the issue for Australia is our, is our, is our geographical spread and our small population comparatively. Um, you know, we've done some, we're, we've launched in the US now um, and, um, you know, it's it's just a you know similar similar size geographic location, but you know, 20, 22 times the amount of people. So you 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 are able to do you know a lot of different things with that type of scale. Um, so yeah, Australia's always got that issue, um, and and that's where for us then the other application that we have um, for the for the logistics operators then is a key part of that because in Australia our our logistics is, is such a, a big part of, of anything that we do. We've got to move product a long way um, for us to, you know, whether it's, you know, primary produce like this or whether it's, you know, manufacturing anything, we've, we've got you know, really large costs comparatively for, um, you know, being able to, to ship around the country. Yeah. Talk to us about your smarter water solution and can you give us examples where it's, it's being used? Yeah, so the smarter water solution is a, um, it's, it's a little bit different industry, but it's the, it's the utility, water utilities um, 
industry. So um, we were approached by uh, one of the um, Queensland-based uh, water utility companies, um, and it was it was about um, they the the water supply um, has what they call um, standpipes, so they can be used by water water truck carriers, they can be used by uh, fire departments, um, that they can hook onto a water main somewhere in a suburb, um, fill the truck out of that, and away they go. So generally, they, they, um, the way they do that at the moment is that it just has a standpipe and they'll have somebody manually uh, writing a, a log out of how much they use or it has a meter on it. They'll take that in every 12 months to get read and then they'll get charged for, for the water they used. <clears throat> now, one of the challenges with that is that um, is um, that within the water supply um, system is that they have metering metering across the the, the network um, that monitors usage off different branches um, to to make sure that um, the pressure is kept stable across the network. Um, so when they have one of those events, uh, potentially say for instance a uh, a water truck could pull up down the road from the school um, over lunchtime and start to fill the truck. So then the school being slightly higher up the hill, for instance, would lose all its pressure. So then um, they've got no, virtually no water. So we developed a uh, fully integrated standpipe um, that is uh, connected uh, GPS has a, an internal modem GPS, uh, internal valve controls. Um, so from, um, from a, a web portal, then the utility operator can then set geofences around certain areas, certain times that that they they can't use, you know, that in in that particular area. Um, automatically, then tracks, you know, when, where, how much they 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 took, um, so there can be uh, live uh, live tracking of, of of the water, but also can then feed back into their systems around, um, you know, their systems that are looking at potential leaks in pipes um, that they then know where. You know, that large quantity of water has gone quickly. It's not a leak. It's actually somebody um, filling up a water truck. All right. So slightly, slightly different. Uh, but it's a lot of what we do is around metering and and those sort of things. So it, it was kind of it's it's that uh, it's that that side of it. Yeah. Listen, anything that's automated and that you're not having to fill in a little piece of paper because, you know, as we all know, things get lost and um, why they have a year to pay for it is anyone's guess. You know, we all pay for our water as soon as we use it. So um, I think just from an accountability point of view, you'd go, well, everything's, everyone's been paid and doing what they're meant to be doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it was more around the, you know, the control, the automated control then of, of where they were able to pull the water from. Um, you know, potentially an operator can go from one, you know, utilities region to another um, and use use, a stand, use that uh, standpipe um, and nobody knows where that water came from because they can cross boundaries um, yeah. without really knowing who's actually paying for the water. Um, you, can, you can see as a small business owner, actually, where my focus is, it's where's the money, honey? Like, follow the money. I'm, all right. that other stuff is brilliant, but where have you paid your have you paid that invoice? Pay, pay for usage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the Smarter Trans application provides logistics operations, operators with access and control of assets when occupied with a SI, is that SI multi-control unit to provide industry-leading operational control. I'm reading all of this. Access, flexi flexibility, and visibility. 
Can you give us an example of where this has been used today? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so Smarter Trans is, um, as the name implies, um, is, our, is our application for the logistics, uh, the logistics operation. So um, it's, uh, it's sort of covering, covering a couple of industries. So it's covering um, uh, bulk, liquid, um, bulk, bulk liquid transport and, um, and energy, so LNG. Now, um, just briefly, what that what that does is we've we've developed um, again a whole hardware solution. So that's you know that's including you know control controllers, um, flow meters, pumps, um, whatever it is that, that's needed on that on that um, on the tanker on the bulk tanker, um, through to then um, then a, a you know web based portal then that has then all of that um, you know route scheduling. Um, tracking real time, you know, where it is, how much is on it, um, where it's where it's pumped into. Um, so for the likes of the dairy industry, um, you know, we're the only Australian um, manufacturer and supplier of of this equipment. Um, previously, all that technology has come out of out of Europe generally. Um, so one of the issues there is that it was kind of Australia got whatever um, was developed there. So you know, there's some significant differences here. Yeah, even in harshness of, of environment, you know, kilometres travelled, um, all of those sort of things, um, network, you know, network connectivity capability. Um, so we've developed a, a solution there that is is then covers um, from where Smarter Farm um, finishes, then the Smarter Trans then completes. So it's from the point where it's picked up from the farm. We've developed um, automated um, self-cleaning sampling systems so uh, for for the dairy industry the farmers get paid when the truck picks that equip uh, picks that milk up and there's a sample taken so until our until our samplers were developed um, there was the only only way that that was happening was either um, manually or by um, sampling systems that were developed for hospitals so one of the issues there is that they didn't clean between between farms, so they'll pick up multiple farms. So potentially, one farm is getting contamination from the previous farm, and those farmers then get paid for the quality of that milk um, that that is that is in that in that sample. So um, the other thing that that also does is that if you know bad samples come through, then potentially you know farmers or transport operators are then looking at equipment and seeing if there's there's an issue with equipment. Um, so it it then uh, now provides um, an accurate sample of what's what's been picked up from the farm, um, and does au automated controls then over over the tank tanker system um, to the to the extent of we've we've worked with um, one of the, you know, Australia's leading tanker manufacturers um, and developed a a solution that then controls um, where where the milk is put into the tanker, depending on how much weight is in it, to um, to ensure that um, as the as the tanker is being partially filled, then it has um, has really good stability then on the roads as well. So we're we're now partnering with um, NTI National Transport Insurance. They're the main insurer for uh, logistics operators in Australia, um, who have launched a a um, Project on uh, they call it spilt milk, 
um, which is is looking at why uh, milk tankers are two two point seven times more likely to roll over on the road than any other um, tanker tanker operators. Um, so part of our solution is 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 providing that extra stability, um, and that's all done automatically. That's an uh, interesting stat that I don't think people would even you know even think about. Yeah, and it, one of the challenges is it's it's probably the um, it's probably the most challenging logistics operation there is. Um, we're now working in um, energy and LNG transport, and you know you would think that a hydrocarbon transport would be much more difficult. In actual fact, it's much more simple. Um, so, so yeah, unfortunately, we picked the the the, the hardest industry to solve the solution for. <laughs> you um, clearly you clearly saw a problem. This is good. <laughs> but there was a problem and we've and we've solved it and solved it completely. So um, that sort of makes any other any other uh, challenges we take on fairly um, seem fairly simple. Uh, no, I, I would I would have so, so that, that system in, does it. Yeah, in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so in a way, yeah, so that's so that's the solution. So in a world where technology is advancing so quickly, what challenges have you faced in people um, welcoming and adopting new technology? Yeah, great question. The um, And I mean, we talked about it previously, but people, uh, even with robotics, even with AI, even with any sort of technology, there is still something being done with people and that can be whether it's people that are paying for the solution to start with whether it's people that are interacting or using the technology or whether it's people that are, are getting the the end result from that technology um now my my mantra for our business is is to make the complicated simple um and one of the one of the challenges that we faced originally was that if you just give if you just give a problem to an engineer, they will come up with a solution. But potentially for an end user or for somebody installing it, it could be really really complicated to do that. So it's it's really understanding what um, you know what each person that's going to be interacting with the technology, what is the simplest way that that can happen. Um, you know from simple things like you know making sure that it's got a yeah, a big display, or it's got you know the right LEDs that tell the user what's happening. If it's if it's got no display, or if it's you know if there's a potential for failure, then there's always another way of doing an input, or there's always another way of interacting with it. Um, to you know, the most most of the industrial controls are all hardwired. Um, so we've we have a design philosophy that everything needs to be just plug and play, um, so that it's if something goes wrong, when it does go wrong. Then it's just unplug it, um, an untrained person can then plug it in, and, and away it goes. Um, so that's, um, I guess that's the that's the challenge that any adoption with technology has is is uh, resistance by by people. Um, the technology itself is generally um, not the issue. It's then about that, um, you know, as I said before, the deep dive into the industry, deep dive with every everyone in that. Um, that's going to be interacting with it and really understand what what it is they need um, and what their uh, resistance to any of that would be. Um, so, and that's 
been our focus is is then and then obviously then the support afterwards is obviously the key to that and that's why you know we we are um, set up to be the company that um, is fully vertically integrated from um, you know that first point of contact through design manufacture testing supply and support at the end well it's a whole change management process you know like I, I, I completely resonate with what you're saying about even my robots telepresence when I'm introducing them to companies and I um, companies want to onboard them I always ask them have you explained to your staff what this robot is here to do it's not to displace someone it's not to take someone's job it's actually to make things easier when someone can't be here they can dial in and they can move around and I think um with all due respect to engineers, because of course, without you guys, we can't do this, guys and girls, but you need someone that's not actually from a tech technical background, if they can understand what you're doing. So that should be your starting is don't get someone technical, you're explaining it, get someone who actually knows nothing about what you're doing. And if they understand what you're doing, then you go, okay, we've got the right language around it. Yeah, and I guess we've, we've kind of taken the approach and, you know, um, it's not a plug for Apple, but, you know, we we sort of take the approach that, you know, you can give a three, two-year-old even uh, an iPad and they will work out how to log in, they'll work out how to open apps and they'll, they'll start playing a game. So our philosophy is kind of around that is that it needs to be, it needs to be as simple as someone can look at it and it just makes sense as to what they need to do. Um, you know, even a really, really complex operation like, say, for, you know, I'll give you an example on the, you know, to do a, a you know, pick up, say, four or five dairy farms from a logistics operation point of view on our system. Um, you know, it is literally the operator will press the green button. Um, you know, once to start, you know, twice to, to complete a, a, an entire pickup. So, and then once to once to finish it. So, but if he wants to see more information, there's there's additional things that he can see, but it gives him a set of instructions all the way through everything else is then automated from that. So it's just making sure that, you know, it just it just works for a user. Those workflows are there. Um, doesn't matter whether you've got AI in there um, or, or any other, you know, algorithms that still needs to be giving that, you know, that user, user the feedback um, and that, you know, particularly that change management that where people don't feel like they, you know, they're going to lose their, their jobs. Um, because it's it's not it's not that I, and I don't see it. It's about replacing replacing those really repetitive manual tasks um, that can be done a lot more accurate um, than than someone manually doing it. To then allowing then those users then to um, to be doing a a task that it adds value that a task that is is extremely difficult to automate. But then that's where they add value. Um, you know taking away those repetitive manual tasks and allows, you know, uh, employees to be more, yeah, more fresh um, and focused on, on what they're actually doing. Yeah, so, and they, yeah, yeah, use the human for what the human is there. And that's, that's to build relationships, communicate, do other things, you know, where, as you say, repetitive, boring tasks, automate that as far as possible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're the only company in Australia currently doing this, with providing the solution end to end. But you've mentioned you now expanding to America, uh, North America to be precise. How did this all come about? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's exciting actually. It's um, so 
we we went to the US um, uh, 12 months ago, um, and we we'd done some research on on the market there, and obviously, um, you know, the size of the market there is is um, is very attractive. Um, you know, it's uh, it's 14 to 15 times the size of the Australian market. Um, so um, they, we sort of understand that there was, you know, there was a potential fairly large market there. Um, but once we went went there, it was it was pretty clear that there was an even bigger opportunity there because, um, you know, even though in some areas, um, particularly the dairy industry, there is is really advanced um, and and you know they're light years ahead of um, of Australia in in the way that some things are done. Um, in the, in the space that we're working, um, there's been very little adoption of technology, and one of the issues is scale. Uh, the other issue is 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 having, you know, having a solution that actually works. Um, is so um, so yeah, we've spent a fair bit of time over there um, over the last twelve months, and we're going through the processes now of um, the, getting the approvals um, and and also some changes. So they operate slightly differently there. So uh, we're in a we're in a process now of of um, I guess redeveloping some of our um, sensors, some of our technology, then to to then suit that market. But okay. uh, yeah. And is the plan then for you to um, you'll have an office there in um, Australian staff, or you'll you'll get Americans and then. Yeah. So we've already um, so we've already got uh, a few people there. Um, so we've got we've moved um, sort of one of our head. Head developers there, um, and with the with the with the view to then um, ramp that up. Um, so we'll be look we'll be looking to have some of our Australian staff move over there for you know family or for uh, or for part time, uh, but we'll also be looking to um, you know bring on bring on locals there as well. Yeah. Congratulations! I think it's absolutely fantastic. The next market that springs to mind is the obvious New Zealand with uh, Fonterra. I hope you've knocked on their door and told them how fantastic you are. Yeah, New Zealand's an interesting market there. Um, you know, Fonterra's got a large market share there and they, they sort of, um, you know, develop a lot of their own technology. Um, we did have solutions there for a while before the pandemic, um, but that caused some issues for us um, when, when that came and travel was, travel was shut down and we, weren't, wow. uh, we didn't have um, networks set up there. But, uh, yeah, it certainly is. Um, but, um, yeah, the Australian, the US and Canadian, because we're looking at it's North America, so it's US and Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, um, are markets that are our focus at the moment. Um, yeah, I, love, so. I, I love stories where Australians go out and you go, oh, that's an Australian company. Just look at us. Uh, just look at us do our stuff. Australians are not to be underestimated or taken lightly in the tech world. You know, I, I think they so um, most of the, the, the guests that I've spoken to are they are so off the scale smart and what they're doing and they're such unassuming people and they just mind their own business and go about it so um, as I mentioned to you part of a part of what I do is I blow your trumpet for you if you if you're a bit quiet there so (laughs) so we're gonna blow your trumpet this is absolutely fantastic I think it's just so so innovative and uh, you know we've talked now how this benefits the, the farmers how does this benefit the end consumer yeah, so I guess that's that. You know, that's always part of what we look at is is the end consumer, and 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 you're starting to see, um, you know, some real trends now 
um, from you know consumer driven demand and you know probably at the top of that list now particularly is is reductions in you know greenhouse gas emissions or reduc you know carbon reduction um, so you know by default our, our that's what our our solutions do you know obviously it's it's, it's giving you know, everyone in the supply chain their benefits but when you look at when you look at what we do um, you know our solutions are enabling technologies for a reduction in car you know carbon emissions so you know it's all the way from say farm enabling them giving them information and, and analyzing what they need to do through the logistics supply chain um, to you know efficiencies there you know we're looking at a number of um, yeah, sort of side projects there around you know hydrogen and you know electric drive and, and different you know things there to be able to then add you know big step changes in in um, greenhouse gas emissions through the logistics supply chain mm -hmm. um, and um, improve food safety and quality so um, you know for particularly in in these um, you know for the for the dairy industry where um, you know previously you know there was a possibility that there could have been you know some product get through that that wasn't of the highest quality where now that just never even gets to a point where it, it either gets bad quality or it, even, or it gets collected. Um, so, um, and and the other side of that is then when you're when you when you've when everything's um, you know when the efficiencies are through all of those parts of the supply chain, then you ensure that you get a, an economically priced product. Um, so again, that for for, for that end consumer, um, and then then what we talked about before is is where that goes then from a traceability point of view that you know, consumers then can make decisions. Um, you know, we've got a number of uh, smaller processes now that you know, in the organic space and the specialty milk space that you know, they've just won you know, the, uh, you know, the best tasting milk awards in Australia um, you know, for, uh, for skim milk, which is just never heard of before. But you know, our technologies have, have, have enabled that, to, you know, that quality to flow through and then you know, ultimately the taste, you know, follows that because it's it's good quality. That's um, fantastic. Absolutely. Congratulations. That's really, it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A little celebration. I hope you're having like a clock in your office, actually, that every time there's a win, you ring this bell and you go, staff, uh, we're, having a, we're having a shinding on Friday. That means bring a plate of food and we're going to celebrate our wins. I think part of our problems is that we don't take time to actually sit still and celebrate enormous things we've done. And, you know, you, I actually think it's vitally important. And this probably touches on the next question, you know, startup land. So you've got, you've got two companies. You've got a software development company of 10 years and this one of seven years. Do you consider yourself out of startup mode for both these companies? Um, are you a small to medium enterprise? And like what challenges have you had? Yeah, we're we're definitely not a startup, um, and and uh, we're not, you know, we're not we're not a huge multinational, even though we've got footprints in a in a number of um, countries. Um, but I guess one of the one of the challenges from you know and and at a point we were a startup, um, but one of the one of the challenges, particularly in the technology space, is is I guess everything takes longer than expected or hoped for. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, development of new functionality in code, whether it's, you know, development of, 
you know, new PCBs or, you know, prototypes or, you know, even getting it into, you know, testing mode, just everything takes longer. Um, so it's, um, you know, if, if I was going to give any advice to anyone thinking of starting, you know, starting a technology business would be um, whatever you think it's going to take and however much you think it's going to cost, uh, probably times it by five. Um, so, and just be ready for the pain. It's, um, if, you, if you're not up for a challenge, don't do it. Um, but at the end of the day, one of the things that just really excites me is, is, is that, and, uh, and the rest of the team too, is that when you, see, when you see solutions out in the real world and they're actually achieving things, they're helping people do stuff, that's, that's kind of like, you know, that is, that is the ultimate. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, where, you know, software is fine, but we rather see a whole solution that is actually doing physically doing something and physically achieving something. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think as we mentioned at the start of the chat, it's, um, it's rare to have a company that's an end-to-end software and, and hardware because it's a tricky business because normally your software developers, they just specialize in that because you need a completely different skill set for the hardware. Yeah, and hardware is probably named hardware because it's hard. For a reason. <laughs> uh, um, probably the other, the other main one would be that, um, particularly in Australia, access to capital for even startups um, and even, even our business is, is very limited. Um, so, you know, there's been, a, there's been a couple of unicorns in Australia from a tech point of view, but, um, you know, other than that, there's been very little... There's very little access to venture capital um, and venture capital that, that is what I would call fair, um, yeah. that from what they're providing, the percentage that they want of your business and those sort of things. So I think that's probably, you know, one of the, one of the real issues for, you know, technology in Australia um, is, is, you know, and, you know, if, uh, because, you know, most of this, it's just capital that's needed to make things happen. Sorry for that. Uh, that is my little dog that has just gone berserk on my lap to our audiences that if you were just dozing off, you have just been woken up in no uncertain terms. Um, you know, just touching on this, uh, this venture capital, and I think the thing is that um, if you look at the, the solution in Brisbane on the docks at the harbour, that, that's actually an Australian invention, but they couldn't get venture capital here and an American company funded it and off it went. So it's not recognized as Australian unless you know about it. And I, I think this is a big problem that we actually face in Australia. Yeah, it is. And one of the issues then also here in Australia is our market is fairly small comparative. So yeah. um, like I said before, you know, the, the US market alone is 14 times the size of the Australian market. So um, when you don't have access to capital to get you through that that development cycle, um, and then your market is is fairly small, then on the end of it, uh, you know it, it's it that that can create issues then around cash flows and, and how much you can actually actually do and actually achieve. So um, yeah, I think it's and I I don't know the solution for that, but it's certainly you know there's there's kind of um, what we found anyway is that you kind of there's there's kind of two two ends of the spectrum, particularly around VC here, is that um, if you're completely blue sky, you've just got an idea and it and it might go, you know, 
into space, you, you get interest. Um, or if you've got, you know, something that is, you know, is five or 10 years old and you've, you've just, you know, got, you know, a whole heap of sales and you've got a whole heap of revenue, then they're interested in that. There's a massive gap in the middle where there's some, there's some amazing technology that's been developed here that, that just has, isn't able to either get to market because it's, it's, it's lacking capital. Um, you know, we've had the, we've had the advantage that we've, we've had a business model that's, that's been able to, to, you know, get through that early stage and then, you know, into the our first couple of years and then, you know, grow, grow organically and, um, yeah. And you're still here is more, is more to the point. It's not like a, you've had a five-year five year runway and now there are no more funds because you've, I think you've done it a smart way. I'm hoping that your um, software company has been able to sort of bootstrap uh, this development in some way. Yeah, that's right. And it's been, it's, it's, it's a balance of, um, you know, of development, um, you know, and, and having enough resources to make it happen to, to get product to market that then is able to, you know, then be providing the revenue then for further development. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a, a balancing act, you know, a few years ago, but it's, you know, it's um, the, you know, and my, it's one of those things that particularly in sort of industry is that it just takes time. Um, so, you know, some compared to say just purely software type things where people can just download an app and, you know, those things can take off, you know, um, you know within three months. Um, when you look at, when you look at industry, when you look at end users wanting hardware, those sort of things, there's some fairly big decisions that people make along that. So that's one of the things that we've, you know, we understood right from the start is that, you know, um, these, these, these decision cycles, you know, we've got, you know, one major customer that it, it was a four year sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, yeah, it's all worth it. Um, yeah. And then it's, you know, you've got a customer then for the next 15 years, do the right thing, support them, keep continuing to develop the product and supply them with new solution. Um, it's a long-term, you know, it's a long-term relationship. Yeah, it's a long-term investment and that's a crucial bit is that you're actually there to support them because the after sales of this is actual crucial that they can phone and say, listen, we've had a little bit of a snag, can you come out? So in a way, you actually have to cost a little bit, um, build it into your cost that there's an after-sale um, solution that you're going to be providing that you can't necessarily charge upfront for. So it needs to be jigged in your sales process. I hope that's what you're doing. But like, you know, obviously... Um, Unless you you've got a model of okay for X amount of hours afterwards and sales things that there is a bit of a cost involved in it. So yeah, that's right, and it's tailoring to every customer basically yeah. as to what they yeah you know, what their business model is and what they what they want to get out of it. So that's that's the thing. It's not a it's not a set forget. It's um, but yeah, that's a- that's that's the that's the beauty of it too for us is that um you know when you're in constant contact with your customers and you're getting feedback of, you know, potential solution, um, you know, potential new solutions that, that they're looking for. So it, yeah. it just starts to, you know, deep dive, you know, dive further into, you know, their requirements. And, um, you know, it's, um, you know, we're working now with another customer you know, in the LNG transport space. Um, and it's, it's just amazing that, you know, because of what we've developed here, it's, you know, Hey, here's another, 
slightly different. We've got to develop some stuff for that, but it's kind of similar to what we're already doing. Um, and, you know, then, you know, it can be then a completely different industry um, altogether. So it's, you know, that's sort of where we see it. You know, we've done the hard work on you know, probably one of the hardest industries. And then it's, you know, where can that um, technology then be adopted across other other places? Ashley, it's been an absolutely fascinating chat. Um, congratulations on what you've built and achieved. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm going to put the Smarter Industrial link in the show notes. Um, and anything else that you think may be of interest to our audience, it's, it's really a fascinating topic, this. And um, I think probably in a year's time, I'm going to get you back and tell us what's happening in your expansion in America, North America. I'd be very interested to see how that's going. Um, where can they reach you besides LinkedIn that um, they should all have been following your connecting by now, but any other email address? Um, yeah, probably just uh, contact via the website. So that's Smarter Industrial. That's S-M-A-R-T-A industrial.com. Um, just um, yeah, click us a contact through the contact page on that or, yeah, on my LinkedIn profile, just uh, send, uh, connect and uh, send me a message on there. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I'll put all of I'll put the um, the smarters uh, contact details in the in the show notes. So, Ashley, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And as I said, I've I found it very enlightening, and it's it's really interesting work that you're doing. Thanks, Nikki, and it's been uh, great to chat to you too. Thanks for your time. It's a pleasure. And to our audience, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Uh, do give us feedback. We always love hearing from you. I hope you have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. And I look forward to joining me next week again. Cheers. Mm-hmm.